once once again, weather could totally change this this hike. If you have rain, oh your descents are going to be super duper slow because that rock is super sketchy and slippery and stuff coming down twin i find one of the craziest descents especially yeah. when it's wet so like oh, oh yeah absolutely so do, you know doing it in a day multiple times it's like wet rocks on the devil is is brutal like the downhills are just so slow because you have to just hold on for dear life because you don't want to wipe out if you do the devil's path and you happen to time it and the leaves are falling off the trees and you're all the downhills with fresh fallen leaves are just <laughs> worse than wet rocks, I think. Yeah. Um, just even one of them. The things <laughs> that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I actually recently was able to do it with dry rocks for the first time in years. You know, just my luck every time I've done this in a day. And it was like night and day. Like, like unbelievable. I just kept saying, oh my God, these rocks are dry. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Bushwhacks were some of uh, the worst days I've ever had in the mountains, or life, really. Whereas Panzer Mountain is totally opposite. It's a mountain on top of a crater. I think the weather challenges on this incident were particularly difficult. It was really the development of New York State. Catskills were responsible. Now you're listening to Inside the Line, the Catskills. All right. Just took another sip of my drink, guys. So, so guys, there has, uh, you know, this has been an active year in the Catskills. I actually think it's been more active in the Catskills than it has in the Adirondacks, which is, which is very rare, very, very rare. But, you know, Fonsleep is a hot spot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Actually, today I got some reports. I don't know if you guys get the reports from the Rangers, but today got some reports and there was a recent rescue on August 26th. So this is three days ago mm-hmm. up on Wittenberg Mountain. And they uh, had to actually evacuate by air. And it was pretty crazy. So I will go over this really, really quick. So on tw- August 26th at 4 p.m., a hiking party called DEC Woodland Valley Campground to report one of the group had an injured their ankle. It's again a crazy accident that you know you can like must have probably just rolled their ankle and maybe like broken their ankle. So yep. you, you can't. It's just an accident. So they called uh, Raybook Dispatch, which informed the forest ranger Lieutenant Slade, who is an awesome dude over in the Slide Mountain Wilderness. Yep. Uh, they were up at thirty three hundred feet on the Wittenberg Trail. So. That's a tough climb down for a, uh, an evac for a, a carryout. So what they did is they called this New York State Police Aviation for assistance, and more rangers came up. Horn and Sweeney hiked up to the 25-year-old from Brooklyn. Uh, rangers Fox, Kreft, and Stratton uh, met the aviation at the Catskills Visitor Center, so they were all flown to the top of Wittenberg Mountain, let down. I'm guessing the helicopter flew back, waited until they had everything good, and then splintered the injured angle and ankle and uh, prepared the subject for a hoist. And at 7.40 p.m., the hiker was hoisted and returned to the Catskills Visitor Center where Shandaken Paramedics provided the evacuation. Wow. Yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, this happened a couple of years ago, I believe, 
at the same spot twice on Wittenberg mm. Mountain. So uh, I'm guessing they used the, probably the same spot to airlift them out. Hey, at least it wasn't uh, from New Jersey, Greg. <laughs> Are you sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're right. Uh, I also heard that I, I think there was another rescue at Fawn's Leap this weekend, yes. this past weekend as well. Yes. No. All right. You guys got details? Because I didn't see details of that. A uh, woman fell 50 feet mm-hmm. off a cliff and had to get roped, rope rescued out. It was all that I, all the information that I got. Well, there's been four incidents at Juan's Leap since July 15th. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a hot spot. I mean, people are there. People are trying to have a good time. And for, for most of them, were were flooding incidents so once again yeah. a freak rainstorm happened and unfortunately one of them was a a death which you know it, it I think sucks a lot, of people, a lot of people don't realize that the cat skills are flash flood prone and as as we start getting these more heavy rain events that are localized you may be on one area and it's ne- not raining at all and here comes this wall of water downhill and that's sort of what happened to them. I don't think they really had very much rain where they were. It was all at the campground, and it came crashing down the falls and then went down the clove. Wow. And you both are are sort of locals there. I mean, Greg, I know you've lived there for a while. Mo, I know you've lived there for a long time. So you know both of that area is definitely treacherous for, for water. And once again, water is the most vigorous form of weather that could happen you cannot stop it it is the craziest you cannot barely predict it and stuff like that so it's it's bound to happen especially with this season we've had with a freaking crazy amount of rain it's been crazy and i think you know with uh fawn's leap and dog hole more and more people are learning about it through word of mouth and online things and uh youtube and snapchat and what's the other one i'm missing What's the new Facebook, one? Instagram. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram. But there's that other app thing that I I never I don't use. Um, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. <laughs> more, <laughs> yeah. More and more people are learning about it, and it's you know it's it's forest preserve, so it's public space, and people want to go see it and go down there. But there's no there's nothing officially made up. There's no official trail or anything for that area, or even a parking lot, and so that's creating just multiple levels of issues well i think social media owes a responsibility to actually portray fawn's leap and the catterskill clove for what it actually for what it really is and not how it's portrayed on tiktok and social media and everything it's not a grand old party you know it's a wilderness area it's dangerous it's you know fine if you want to go there i'm not saying people don't go but pay attention to what you're doing when you're there you know and it's just it's like how all trails will label hikes as not hard when they actually are because they're getting their information from people who don't think it's hard and people who don't know any better wandering into these situations it's i mean i i love the idea of the trolley system that got introduced to cut down on the parking. But what are they doing to warn their customers about where they're getting dropped off? I mean, 
Yeah. People are showing up and getting on a legitimate rice-a-roni trolley. Yep. You know, it, like, how dangerous could this be? I'm getting on a, the San Francisco trolley and right. going and going to the going to the waterfall. Yeah. Well, I know. I know. We're, well, we're talking about that trolley system to have somebody that's on there talking about the park and yeah. the race. And, you know, because people do, you know, the principal one of leaving no trace is plan and prepare. And people do a horrible job of that. And like I said, <laughs> yeah. when you when they see certain things, they're like, "Oh, people go there. There, there must be facilities and a visit." Like people are showing up, and they, and what's interesting is working on at Camp Catskill now, and just being there for eight hours or six hours, and people that are wandering in, they're 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 trying to get to these two locations, and just the interaction I have with them, they think it's it. They think it's A and it's X. You know, like there's they're they're expecting things there, a trail system, a parking area. Then I don't think people are understanding that it's wilderness. Yeah. And like, how do, we, how do we how do we break that? How do we do that online? I think social media owes a responsibility to do it. I think I agree. Post. I think people who post that they're there and that they're swimming need to just throw a disclaimer out. You know yeah. that that this is what it is and things and accidents can happen. It's the same as, it's the same as Catterskill Falls. You know, I mean, Catterskill Falls is like the, the most visited attraction in the Catskill, in the Catskills and yeah. probably has more deaths than anywhere else in the Catskills. Yeah. And it's simply because it's portrayed as it's just a park and everything is going to be fine. And, you know, it's uh, I I saw a, a woman who posted the other day that, uh, you know, she was standing right on the edge of the falls, taking a picture from the top. <sighs> Damn. And I just commented on her post and just said, please, seriously, leave it to. Can you just at least put a disclaimer that this not only is dangerous, but it's a ticketable offense to be within six feet of the edge of Catterskill Falls. And she was like, oh, I didn't see any signs. I'm like, the fence you stepped over to get to where you're taking the picture from has signs yeah. all over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. And that's the tough part is like, how do we have people take on the responsibility to do this? Yeah. Uh, it's like, how do you, and that's, you know, these are, these are conversations that many up here on the mountaintop are, we're trying to figure out how to better it. Um, because yeah, we can't stop what's out there. We can't stop people learning about it, but how do we make people visit this public space in a safe way? Yeah. Right, exactly. I don't want to stop people from going here. But know. it's not the final solution, and we definitely have to do more interpretation and catch those people. You know, that's a captured audience. We should be telling them, you're going to a cliff that's slippery and people have died here. <laughs> like, yeah. even to the street. Death may happen on your visit today. That's right. <laughs> they show it at Catterskill Falls right on the kiosk. It's listed yep. right there that, you know, there are deaths there. Yep. And I, I've, I've chatted with people about this before is how to, you know, my podcast is more of, I know the more experienced hikers listen to it. But how do we reach out to people who are not experienced to come yep. up, you know, for maybe one or two times and then never come back? Yep. That's a, it's a tough thing to do, but you know, somehow we got to do it and we got to connect with those people and, you know, have them spread the word, you know, it's, it's social media that is, uh, that's bringing these people here, which is good. You know, it's good in some way. 
it's giving us tourism and stuff. It's yep. giving us people, visitors to the park. It's showing how beautiful this park is, but it's also screwing things up. I was going to say another word, but I was just like, oh, man, I said that too many times last episode. <laughs> well, like, you know, if we can try to, like, make it a known thing, if you come to the Catskills, you stop at these few locations where most people can learn that information, yeah. like the Catskill Visitor Center, if we can direct, the problem becomes there's multiple ways into the park. So if we can have some sort of place where people stop in Tannersville coming up 23A or at the bottom before they even come up the hill. You know, that yeah, information. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, looking at the trolley system and closing the whole clove to parking and stuff. You know, what I've been noticing because I drive up and down it all the time. It shoved a lot of that parking to the very bottom of the hill at Harding Road. So now on a weekend, Harding Road fills up by 830 in the morning and now they're parked along the road. Yeah. But down below, which is in front of all those people, you know, the residents that live there. Yeah. And like, how do you know, how do we teach also people to respect local people and the people that live here and don't like park all over their front lawn? It's yeah. not, you know, like that's a toughie. That's that's but I think social media could be, you know, these we always say, oh, it's negative. Look at all the crap it causes. Well, how do we take it and use it to teach people before they get here? Correct. Um, yeah, you know, but it put it get it would be great to put together a whole social media of like snippets and these TikTok videos of all the people that have died at Catastrophe Falls in a, a minute and a half. Their pictures, you know, the day it happened and what they were mm-hmm. doing. You know, I think that's, that's a not thing. A bad, not a bad idea. It's a it's a right? harsh reality, but it's you know it's like rolling yeah. a DUI accident up onto a high school front lawn. You and know? you were right? on those TikTok and all these you know YouTube videos. It's like the severe weather event, the car crashes. That's what everybody's watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so like, yeah, I, I hate to focus on like negative, but there's, you know, the harsh reality of what's out here. Every yeah. time I go in the woods, we know like we may get injured. That's why we bring stuff. Every time I go up a mountain in the wintertime, I'm like, today could be the day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's that brings up another topic is, you know, I read recently of a Leave No Trace uh, email about yep. over tourism and yep. you know it, it it it's it's really a double-edged sword we have seen it everywhere it's not just catskills it's not just the national parks it seriously is everywhere yep. but you know is it good is it bad you know it, it is both ways because we have tourism coming into these small towns supporting this like they've never had in you know god knows you know 50 years since the borscht belt era but also our trails are getting widened. There's trash everywhere. There's people parking everywhere. There's so many different topics on both sides of the story. Yeah. And that's what, that's what sucks is, you know, we, as you know, you two as guides and me as a steward are, are bringing out the, the, the good information to people about, you know, the Catskills and about leave no trace and about different topics of what we should do to keep the mountains the way they once were and stuff. But I don't think, you know, there's too many of us there. There should be more. Everybody should be doing this. But once again, God, it's a tough way to reach out to people. Like, how are we going to do it? It's freaking insane. Yeah, it's it's hard too. you know, I mean, some people don't want to be taught, you know, or immediately get defensive about yeah. being told that what that something they're doing is wrong. Um, you know, I mean, I've run into people who are getting ready to like go carve a tree, carve their initials in a tree. And 
you know, it's like, what are you doing, man? You can't, you know, you can't do that. They don't, they don't want to hear it. So, yeah. 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 Cause it's like, you know, there's different approaches to bringing things up to folks, but sometimes no matter which approach you, you do, they're going to be like, who the, who, who are you? Who are you? Right. You know, <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. I, Mo. I know, like I know they're doing the whole study in the clove um, by that organization that has done this in many of our national parks and like went to the park at like a peak time for, you know, a, a set amount of time and just watched, took notes, you know, looked at the whole picture and then came up with recommendations on how to mitigate some of it or, you know, spread it out. Like, I think it was Arches did a timed entry. So it didn't, you know, you, you'd set up a time to go to the gate and it open and it's, you know, spread out the use instead of everybody showing up at one ten. it was throughout the day. So that should be interesting to see what they come back with in the clothes specific. Cause then we could take that and use it in other parts of the, if we start learning some of this, then maybe we can figure out how to mitigate some of it. Cause the Catskills are huge. I mean, there's so many areas that nobody goes to, but we have all these bottlenecks like the Blue Hole and Catterskill Falls, and now Fawn's Leap seems to be another of that whole clove of lots of people coming into the same location at the same time. Yeah. And so, like 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 I said, it's a double-edged sword. You know, whoever can figure the solution out tonight will be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, please, please get a hold of me. All right, dial one eight hundred. I think it may be time to institute something like the Catskills Pass. You know, it's uh, I've seen it done in other states. They did it in Arizona with the Tonto National Forest. They instituted the Tonto Pass, which was a six dollar a day pass that you could pick up at any convenience store anywhere. You can get it online. On your way, you know, to your destination, you could stop at a gas station and pick it up. And that $6 went directly to the Tonto National Forest. It enabled them to hire more rangers to be on patrol. It enabled them to get actual garbage cans out to far-reaching places. And I'm talking about spots in Arizona, you know, much wider expanse of wild land versus the acreage we have here in the Catskills, you know, it's, it wouldn't be that difficult to do something like that. It just, these things cost money and the money has to come from somewhere. Um, And I, you know, I, I don't like to have to pay to go hike in my backyard that I've been hiking for 40 years. (laughs) But if, if it's something where, you know, I already have the empire pass. So if, if it's the same thing, if you have the Empire Pass, you're fine. If you yeah. don't, you have to buy this thing, you know. So if you have the Empire Pass sticker in your window at a trailhead, you're perfectly fine. If not, you better have this thing hanging off your winch, hanging off your rearview mirror, or you're going to get a ticket. You know, it's just unfortunately with that's you know the amount of traffic we have. I just feel like we might need to start looking into things like this. And I know it's not a popular opinion. I mean, I see the reactions to people with the blue hole with Peekamoose. Uh, I mean, they just refuse to even hike from that trailhead during from, you know, September 15th or wherever, whenever it starts, May 15th to September 15th. Yep. You know, they refuse to hike from that trailhead simply because they don't want to pay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. You know, I yeah. go to Minnesota a lot and I never have a problem with 
paying the $10 entry fee to get into that park. Yeah. And I mean, it's beautiful there. So, Dude, I went up and hiked Bengal Hill uh, and paid $10. Like that's, a, that's not even like a two mile, three, maybe not even a two and a half mile hike. And I was right. like, I, w- I will be happy to pay this because you know what? I haven't been to the blue hole in a long time and they deserve it. You know, they're doing it. I actually checked out the area. They're doing a great job. The funny thing is, is I cleaned up in the parking area and there was a party there. And actually I was very surprised. A woman came up and saw me cleaning up and asked for a trash bag. I was, you know, my heart was just like, all right, good. We still have good in this world. That's, that's cool. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I would be glad to give you a trash bag. You know, if you need any more, please let me know. If you need your friends to get any more, please let me know. I will freaking do it. But, you know, I understand you definitely, you know, you're right. That, that Empire Pass would be really good in the Catskills because the parking areas are super small. And it's, God, it's once again, it's a hot subject. It's a touchy subject. Yeah, People are going to light you on fire. Yeah, right and then like to implement something like that, how, do, how does it get managed? So we have yeah. so many parking areas, so many ways into the park, local people. How do how do you monitor it? But, but enough people, enough people will purchase it that the money could be there to start having more paid stewards at parking areas. Popular, like you know what I mean. We could start it's growing so... the program and growing the volunteer program, like the thirty five hundred club is doing. We could catch a lot of people. I mean. I'm sure at Slide and at Woodland Valley, those volunteers are catching a lot of people, hopefully preventing some people from going into the woods that shouldn't be with the right stuff. But yeah. Once again, it's a hot subject. It's a touchy yeah. subject, but it needs to be talked about and stuff like that. So that's that's what we're doing that's tonight. And having your, your two opinions, you know, local guides, experienced guides, people that have been all over the United States have, have done stuff in, in various areas know what you know the outcome could be um just you know knows that that there is good in sometimes in permits but you know sometimes it sucks yeah you know but and i've always been the advocate for leaving a trace if we can try to do that get people to do number one (laughs) to learn the 150 rule to learn you know multiple just basic basic stuff um oh you know Speaking of leaving no trace, this will be a funny thing to mention. So I went bushwhacking with Mike Kudish to look for um, first growth today. And we were walking and I yelled out pickles. And he goes, excuse me, did you just say pickles? We found a jar, a jar of unopened pickles just laying on the forest floor. And I'm like, well, that's a first. That is definitely a first. Wow. Did anybody lose a jar of pickles that is listening? I can send you the GPS coordinates. It's it's not too far from the road, so I have to. We hooked it up. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So another topic I was talking about is I was I was very curious. I always, you know, it's it's really weird. I always try to compare my podcast to other mountain rangers and stuff like Forty Six, uh, the Whites, stuff like that. And I don't I don't realize how many people have finished the Forty Six or the Four Thousand Footers of the White Mountains compared to the Thirty Five Hundred. You know, the 3,500 is over a little over 4,000 now mm-hmm. and 46ers, uh, 4,000ers. I know the 46ers have hit over like 15,000 and wow. the whites, I'm not sure. I, it's got to be up in the, in the, in the tens of thousands, like something like that. I know the Adirondacks, but I got to, I got to stop comparing myself to them because people go up there, you know, for the views and stuff like that above the summit, you know, the open summit, stuff like that. And, you know, I, 
to be honest, I, I, I've hiked in the Adirondacks and I just hate the three mile initiation of just walking on flat grounds and then gaining elevation. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest gripe with the Adirondacks too. Like just start gaining elevation right away, please. That's why I love the Catskills. That's why I love the whites is because you, you go right up right away and you start your hike and, but like the Adirondacks are just, that's just crazy, man. I don't want to hike, you know, 18 miles and 20 hour days and get back, you know, park at three o'clock. Cause you can't get a parking area and then leave at like eight o'clock and you might have a ticket. Cause they're like, Oh, you've been here for so long. Like it's just so much crap. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. 46ers didn't mean that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I always compare this podcast to the other others. And I'm just like, damn, it's crazy how little we have here, but how much we have here. Cause you know, the 35 is absolutely crazy and, and beautiful and amazing history, stuff like that. Yeah. And we, we just don't have the open summits. That's that's all we don't have. But we have steep gains. We have some challenges. Yeah. We have beautiful walks through forest. We have endangered species, you know, all the above. Uh, beautiful places to stop at, beautiful towns. It's, it's, it's crazy. Well, the Catskills are definitely hard mountains. They may not be super tall, but they're just as hard as any, you know, white mountain. I did Mount Washington on uh, Sunday, and I don't find that nearly to me as bad as going up Wittenberg from Woodland Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know why, but going up Amanusik Ravine up Mount Washington to the Lake of the Clouds was like a dream compared to (laughs) Wittenberg from... You know, because the way our mountains eroded or, you know, make them difficult, you know, and our mountains are not, you know, they're reverse mountains. They weren't pushed upwards. They were eroded down like the Grand Canyon. And yeah. The mountains that are here, the surface that was didn't erode as quickly. And I find, you know, after doing the Pemi Loop, uh, Mo, I found that the, the rocks in the whites are grippier than the Catskills. Yep. Yep. And you could easily, you know, scale up those rocks a lot easier than the Catskills. When the Catskills, you got to take some freaking precautions. You have the roots and stuff like that. I don't, did you find it that way too? Yeah, because we have pudding stone. So our, 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 our rocks are old mud and debris that got, you know, compressed and pressure and it turned into rock. But a lot of times we have pieces of quartz sticking out. And when quartz gets wet and you step on it, it's like you're, it's like rollers. You just go down. <laughs> so just the way our rocks are made, um, they, they may, you know, they're very slippery when they get wet. Yeah. And the whites are granite, which a lot of the granite, the way it breaks down, it creates these really jagged, you know, tread. So yeah. it just like slows you down. I mean, when the when the granite in New Hampshire gets wet, it can be very slippery. Not to say that it's not, but I do find ours sometimes a little bit extra different. Yeah, exactly. crazy, awesome. I can't. Find, I don't know how many people have finished the New Hampshire four thousands. They don't. They don't have like a. I've been googling, but no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be very, very high because I see, you know, a lot of people have probably finished, and a lot of people from you know every which way possible comes up there, and they get. I forgot how many millions of visitors they get per year, but they get a lot. We get, you know, I read that we get like 6 million visitors per year, but I, I'm trying to figure out where those people go. They go to Catskill Falls. Yeah, right. As of April 2019, so this is before the pandemic, 
14,413 people have said, and 324 dogs, have reported finishing the New Hampshire, I mean, yeah, the New Hampshire 4,000 footers in the White Mountain, in the White Mountains. Wow. So and, they're just. And only, and only 843 have done them in the winter. Jesus. Wow. Well, Unbelievable the, the ratio mountain, there. Yeah. I mean, the above tree line mountains in the winter, I, personally, I haven't, I haven't hiked. I don't think I've hiked any mountain in the winter above tree line in the whites yet. It's on my list, but I'm treading carefully. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a crazy being, ratio. Being on those mountains in the summer, it's like, I can't even imagine what this is like. You have to have the perfect day, I think, to go up there. I know people do it in all weather. Kudos to them, but it's not something I'm running to do <laughs> anytime soon. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I was just, I was curious. So I was, I was comparing numbers basically of finishers of 35, 46, and 4,000 footers. So, but the way I look at it, you know, huge ratio. being out there all the time on our bushwhacks, like Lone Rocky, Friday, Carol, and North Dome, we're at what, 4,400, 4, 4,300? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, add 6,000 more people to walking on these mountains. What will this look like? And they're trailless peaks, but there are paths that are forming and every different, you know, some mountains, multiple ways up them. And so I'm like, I try to interpolate out what 6,000 more people. Yeah. And it's like, oh my. And a lot of our <laughs> paths, a lot of our herd paths, I don't know if people realize this. Many of our herd paths go through rare and sensitive habitat and rare plants. And it wasn't, you know, it's not on purpose. It's just, it was probably the more easier way up the mountain sometimes. I know the pandemic has shifted some of the herd paths um, to, you know, kind of not the normal way up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have kind yeah. of pivoted a little bit, but it has been interesting to see a lot of our herd paths do go through rare plants and it's like, holy vey. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, once again, another touchy subject. Uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> but hopefully I'll get, I'll get somebody on and we'll discuss that even further later yeah. on. All right. So awesome discussion for the beginning, guys. This is a great discussion. A lot of good information. So welcome everybody to episode 90 of Inside the Line, the Catskill Mountains podcast. I have my friends, Joe and Greg, who have been previously on episodes with me, and we're here to talk about epic traverses in the Catskills. These guys have been on probably all these traverses in the Catskills. I would say, I'll admit, I haven't been on all these, but I've done some, but these guys have done it all and they are experts at these traverses so welcome to the show guys Howdy. hello hell yeah so also thank you to the monthly supporters darren white vicky ferrera john comiskey jim c michael bonder david mead matt smith thank you guys very much for supporting the show also thank you outdoor chronicles photography for supporting the show molly from outdoor chronicles photography specializes in adventure elopement and adventure couples photography in the catskills Adirondacks and White Mountains. She is also an official for getting married and a licensed guide, but she is also a story maker. Molly won't just give you photos, she'll give you memories that will last forever. Don't hesitate to get a hold of Molly on all platforms. Also, have you ever wanted to learn more about hiking or backpacking in the Catskills, or even just brush up on some of your old skills in the backcountry? Check out Trailbound Project, a hiking and backpacking school. Scott and Joe from the New Jersey Search and Rescue Team have amazing backgrounds in Wilderness First Aid and Wilderness First Responder and the Mountain Rescue Association. They are there for you to learn old and new skills of hiking and backpacking. They teach anything from first aid to map and compass and many other skills that could help you and others while out on the trail. Check them out on their website and all social media platforms. All right. What are you guys drinking tonight? 
we we kind of went over this, but let's go over this again. Well, I don't normally drink too often, but after the week I had, I'm like, could be an well, I have Red's Wicked Apple, so I am a cider fan. Nice. I always like, I always like to try different ciders from different parts of the country. Um, I went across the street and they didn't really have much of a selection. <laughs> so that's what so I ended up. Where'd you go across the street? How about we we tag that, Mo? Uh, the Sunoco station. Okay. <laughs> nothing, nothing nothing wrong with that. Like probably I could see you sprinting across the street. Oh shit, I gotta get this for Stasha's show. <laughs> well, I looked I looked inside the refrigerator. I'm like, I have seltzer. Ice coffee and seltzer, which no, I do like hard cider. It's good stuff. Good. Greg, how about you, sir? Uh, I am drinking a Cayman Jack strawberry margarita. Uh, uh, sounds good. It is uh, It is like one step up from the White Claw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it's what was in my fridge and it's on hand. <laughs> is it good, though? Uh, yeah, it's actually good. They make a couple of different flavors. Strawberry is not my favorite, but the watermelon one is delicious. Nice. Nice. Sounds good. I'm having a simple rum and coke. Uh, this has been a busy freaking day like crazy. So nice. we'll, we'll talk. Well, I, I worked today. I ran home. I mowed the lawn. I, I got a new toolbox, which is like, as you guys know, as adults, getting anything new, even like a vacuum is freaking like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I, was, I was so excited we got a new vacuum. <laughs> See? Our old one was terrible. And I'm like, oh, my. I'm old. I'm old. <laughs> I said that and I was just like, oh my God, I'm I'm a new man. I am fully grown now. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're getting into the the, the uh, like previous yep. hikes. I went to uh, a local place called R. Milton Hicks State Forest. And I just walked around some old, very, very old. I wouldn't say they're trails, but they're marked, but they're not trails. And checked out an old kind of like a lean-to, very old lean-to that's very, very decapitated. Nobody comes there anymore. Everybody just hunts there. And there's a great pond with big, huge beaver dam. Just check that out today. It's pretty cool, pretty neat. Wildflowers are out. Raspberries and the the blackberries are going like crazy this this time. Goldenrods are out. Bees are out. It was beautiful. It was a nice day. So I enjoyed it thoroughly, even though it was only like 45 minutes of hiking. Mm, cool. How about you, Mo? Well, today I was out with Dr. Kudish. We were hunting for what he calls an entry point of first growth. So as many people may or may not know, the tops of many of our Catskill high peaks are first growth. They were never logged, never burned. And um, that logging, no logging line, they run all around the mountaintops. And sometimes it's really low. Sometimes it's really high. So he's been putting together a Catskill map of all the first growth. And so certain stretches of um, mountains, he, he may have a six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 mile stretch of no entry points. And he will interpolate, all right, if this entry point was at 3,200 feet and this entry point was at 3,100 feet, probably between the two points, it's around the same level. However, with, you know, land ownership and state land, when different things were acquired, a lot of times when a, the state acquired a parcel of land here in the Catskills, it was logged before the sale went through. So if something was acquired in 1920, the person selling it probably logged it before the state acquired it. Um, so it was, it's, it's really interesting and fascinating. And today we were right across the street from Slide Mountain. 
Nice. Working our way up the side of Evergreen. Excellent. Yeah, which is cool. Cool, He's man. It's always amazing to go out with. I have learned so much uh, being in the woods. And now when I go on hikes, if I haven't determined an entry point on one of our hiking trails, I will try to figure out the entry point. And then I call him. It's like my final exam. And then I find out where his entry point is and what elevation it's at. And then if it's correct, I got an A. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I mean, how, how old is he pushing? He's, he's in his 90s, right? Well, we, we climbed up the side about, we were probably 0.25 from the summit, summit of Evergreen, but we had no reason to go there. And we came, we were, the first growth line was fairly far down, but we wanted to keep going to make sure we got to a cliff band. He goes, well, I've been on the summit. I know it's first growth. There's no reason to go up there. I'm pretty sure this was all first growth. So then we went east and decided to go back down towards the car. And we realized, oh, this is a cliff band. And at 80 years old, he was swinging from trees. Nice. <laughs> amazing. And we, oh, yeah, we came. But um, it's just awesome. It's awesome to be out there with him. And it's like, you know, most 80-year-old people my age would be sitting home watching TV. <laughs> right. Right. Awesome for him. It's good, yeah. good that you're out with him. You're getting that awesome information that awesome stuff so you can pass it on as well yeah. you know it, it's great to, to hear that and he doesn't hike alone anymore we all try to take turns going out with him, and it's just amazing but it was cool to go to an area that he has never been to that's nice. always fun so yeah. it was new for me and new for him nice and we, and we found a jar of pickles which i've already said before <laughs> this is the Hell most yeah. random thing i've ever seen in the woods but how were the pickles did you try? I was afraid to open it. It looked like it was from the <laughs> 1960s, to be honest. You got to open them like a champagne bottle to make sure it doesn't blast in your face. Yeah, we couldn't find like an expiration date. The label was worn off, but it was a glass jar of pickles. Yeah, the jar did look pretty fancy. It did. It did. <laughs> it actually looked like it had the curvature of picture pickles around it. So it definitely was a real pickle jar. Like The, the more I thought about it, Next to it, like we didn't poke around for too long because we we had a mission. This was at the beginning of the day. It, I think what happened was it was probably a bear dragged like a garbage bag or something up the side of the hill that had a full unopened jar of pickles in because <laughs> there was like some sort of like plastic that was really deteriorated next to it. And I was I'm like I can't pick this up. It's just disintegrating. Um, so we just left that. But I was like. The more I thought about it, I'm like, I bet you an animal dragged up, you know, a garbage bag that had that jar of pickles in it. Good call. Good thought. Because I don't know. Who else would be walking through there with a jar of pickles? Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, I've heard the the through rudders freaking do crazy with pickle juice and stuff like that. That's a great. Maybe. A, maybe. This true. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. weight, though. That's a lot of weight. For, for through runners. Yeah. For the runners. Yes. Those freaking they carry like one ounce. Greg, how about you, sir? Uh, me? I didn't do anything fun today. I went to work and did electrical work. What about, what was your last hike? I just got off an entire weekend of guiding a fly fishing trip, camping trip to the headwaters of the beaver kill. Nice. Um, so you want to talk about old growth, first growth forests and, yeah. and beautiful beaver meadows. It's amazing back there, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I I saw birch trees that were just ridiculously old and huge, uh, just 
standing tall and proud out there. And, you know, we really weren't even like that far away from a trail, but you get back in there, even like three quarters of a mile into those beaver meadows. And it's like, you're in the middle of nowhere, raspberries and wildflowers. And we even hit a couple of small blueberry patches. Uh, but the, the bears had just decimated any berries that were still around. There were bear trails through the high grass that looked like people were running bicycles through there um, wow. and walking like two by two, shoulder to shoulder. They were that wide and that wow. back down. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And we caught uh, about a dozen trout. Uh, most were catch and release, except for three of them that ended up uh, alongside our venison tacos for dinner. Oh, excellent. excellent. Those venison tacos. That's Greg's specialty, just to let you know. <laughs> They're good. It sure is. <laughs> Very Definitely. Good. Yeah. Awesome, guys. That's that's incredible. Beaverkill and Evergreen, both places that are seldomly visited. So stay away from those places, actually. <laughs> yeah. Don't go. It's horrible. It's freaking ridiculous. Our, yeah. Actually, just hire a guide if you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Hire a guide. Once again, we'll, we'll talk about that later, actually. So uh, I'm going to hit up these sponsors in a second. It's a beautiful sunset happening right now, by the way. Oh, my God. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's cloudy up here. It's cloudy up here. There it is outside my window. Oh, wow. Greg, you got a better one than me. <laughs> wow. I have clouds up here. I got nothing. Oh, that's okay. Actually, what was super cool is this morning driving in, there was uh, through Deep Notch 42 in West Kill, where I went up the big hill, there's all those fields there and houses. You could see the clouds spilling through the notch from the oh, south. Nice. And it was bluebird sky. And then I went through the notch and came on the other side and it was like total cloud cover. It was super crazy. Cool. Love yeah. that area. God, what that's that's one of the best drives in the Catskills. I love going Here, up I Deep Notch. You, I will text you the picture right now because it was so cool. Sweet. Uh, it was one of those like moments where i was like i have to take a picture of this without crashing <laughs> pull, over, pull over on the side of the road put the hazards on legally yeah all right so i'm going to get on to the sponsors real quick and then we'll get into the the topic of the night so is it time for new some new gear in the catskills say no more camp catskill in tannersville has all your hiking needs Footwear, socks, moisture wicking shirts, freeze dried meals, Catskill merchandise, and more. They have all the essentials for your hiking needs for the Catskills. Located in Tannersville and online, check out Camp Catskill. Also, if you want free stickers, stop at Camp Catskill. Mo can tell you about Camp Catskill all the time. Um, if you're ready to hit the trail, make sure you take the scenic route. Our guides are here to help you with your goals, big or small, like Marcy or Slide or Lowen the Stewards. Check out the Scenic Route Guiding and Gear Rentals on Instagram and Facebook for more information. Also, if you mention the podcast, you can get 10% off. Use the code MOUNTAINLION. Also, check out Another Summit, a nonprofit program that leads outdoor adventure activities for veterans and first responders for free. Anything from walking, hiking, backpacking, and paddling trips. Check out anothersummit.org for more information and dates for future events. All right, so let's get on to the guest and topic of the night. Let's go. So tonight I have my friends Mo Lamar and Greg Calabrese here, both guides of the Catskills, and we're here to talk about epic traverses in the Catskills. So welcome to the show, guys. Howdy. All right. So, Greg, 
How about you give your this? You guys are like, did you say howdy and hi at the same time? Yeah. Same time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, these guys are our our best friends. They've hiked so many times; it's crazy. It's you awesome. They, when you're best friends, and then you become a hiking guide. You never see each other. Never except- <laughs> but you guys are are great for the Catskills, and I love seeing about your stories. You guys both have amazing stories that you do with your guiding. So I think, and I and I thank you for for doing your guiding in the Catskills because you guys have taught us a boatload of information and we'll talk about your guiding in a little bit. So Greg, why don't you give a background really quick about yourself, sir? Uh grew up here in the good old town of Catskill at the uh base of the Catskill Mountains, the north great northern Catskills, uh the escarpment section of it. Um been running around uh in that section of the Catskills, probably since sometime around 1985. Uh, traveled around the uh, country, doing hiking, lived in Arizona for uh, a long time in Phoenix, Arizona, and traveled all over that beautiful state, uh, doing hiking everywhere from straight desert sand dunes to uh, the high mountains up outside of Flagstaff. And, uh, Love being outside. Love, I I love showing people the Catskills. You know, I'm back here, back home, and in uh, good old Catskill again. And uh, I like pe- showing people these mountains that aren't really mountains. <laughs> Greg, thank you. Uh, you're also on. Greg was on number ten, episode number seven ten. So check that out. And uh, Greg is also a, a guide as well so well, how about you mention your guide you didn't mention that that's really come on man i did not uh yeah so i <laughs> i own uh rip van winkle adventure guides uh here in Catskill. we do uh i guide for basically a- everything except for whitewater rafting ice and rock climbing um so i guide backcountry hunting trips uh fishing trips kayak tours and uh hiking and camping yeah i will link both of your uh facebook and your instagram on here so check out his stuff he posts some amazing pictures of his kayaking and it's uh it's crazy stuff so uh mo thank you greg about that mo so why don't you uh introduce yourself a little background about yourself too all right well i grew up in eastern massachusetts went to school college in northeastern vermont um, and have a degree in environmental science. The White Mountains is where I fell in love with the outdoors, hiking all through college and before. Um, we have a family place in Stark, New Hampshire, which is just north of Mount Washington. Uh, 2000 After college, moved back to Massachusetts in 2016. I had the opportunity to through-hike the Appalachian Trail that goes from Georgia to Maine. And when I finished that, in September of 2016, I moved here to the Catskills full-time and worked through the process in 2017 of getting my guide license and then creating an LLC and running Hike on Guides is what I do now full-time. Um, and I specifically just do camping and hiking. I do not do fishing or hunting. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, too diverse uh guys on here to show you different ways of, of backpacking and you know of course maybe hunting or you know fishing yeah. or any anything that you need rip van winkle adventure guys hike on guides check those two out so uh since we're talking about through hikes uh yeah. guides are very very helpful on through hikes if you have to backpack number one if you just need 
that extra support. Uh, you guys are guides, and you know what? What can you bring to the table with hiring a guide? Well, oh, it must- <laughs> I just, in my head, I have the top ten reasons to hire a guide. So I'll 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 say number one that I think is the most important. If you will hire a guide, they're the ones that take the cobwebs in the face. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely true i think one of the most important things we bring to the table uh as guides uh is that we take the complications out of yep. your trips we we handle the logistics uh so you can just kind of kick back and enjoy what you're out there doing um yep. you know we wear the safety net where the direction where the compass where the map you know it's uh it's it's we, what we do you know it's we we take the fear out of it for a lot of people um and uh i know mo does really instills a lot of confidence in the people that he's taken on their hiking journey yep uh you know and it's just something that i i feel that's got to be like one of the most important parts of it is just yep. we, we take all of that off of the customer's shoulders so they can actually just enjoy being outside. And then, you know, you'll learn stuff about biology, about geology, the weather. Um, You know, I I can guarantee most people that have done the 3,500 and hiked all the high peaks in the Catskills have experienced some pretty intense weather on their (laughs) hike, some unanticipated and have learned over that time to have certain things on them always. After making that mistake once, you won't do it again usually. Um, but you also learn a lot about the history of the Catskills. Uh, you learn about the villages and the communities that are here. And we point all that out along the way. You guys, you guys failed to mention one thing. Education. Yes. Lead you guys, yes. You guys are trade. the teachers. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what you guys can bring to the table. You know, like you said, you know, map and compass, you know, geology and stuff like that, but also safety, first aid, leave no trace. You guys are all basically teachers of the hiking and the Catskills and, you know, hiking in general, basically. In 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 a guide, usually we do our homework. We know where views are, you know, do folks realize that there is a view on Rusk? You have to, you have to hunt for it, but it does exist. We, we we do our homework and we kind of we determine the best way I, I cater every hike to my clients some clients hate ups hate downs and i can adjust certain ways up and over a mountain depending on their ability um and yeah um it's sort of catered to the individual like i know a lot of people always say between uh rocky and lone is miserable because you're in this fur thicket that's just evergreens and like you can't see the person in front of you and once they push through they're gone you don't hear anything and there's ways around that that a lot of people don't realize they look at the topography of the map and they're like oh we'll go to the low point between the two mountains but that's not the best option in that case and that's what a map can't tell you what the vegetation is like (laughs) right (laughs) yeah So these guys, once again, check them out. Rip Van Winkle Adventure Guides and Hike on Guides bring some awesome stuff to the table. So since we're talking about Traverse, something to to talk about is the definition of a Traverse. So Mm -hmm. the definition of a Traverse is to travel across or through. So basically, 
these aren't like lollipop hikes or you know like like uh like loop hikes or stuff like that we're going to talk about basically point a to point b and not returning back to point a you know yes. one through maybe two car spot you know good stuff or you know if you're you're a psycho you can do it and then you can road walk you know 15 16 miles back whatever <laughs> whatever you want to do or you can yo-yo it <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> nice I know a lot of people when they think of traverse you know they think of following from point a to point b over the height of land and um you know basically going from a to b can be considered a traverse but i know a lot of people consider a traverse or that terminology and while hiking, you know, going from point A to B and but kind of hitting the height of land along the way and staying yeah. on the land. And more of the traverses that I, I think of are more of long distance traverses. Yeah. That's what yeah. we're going to talk about the, tonight is a little bit more long distance. But, mm -hmm. you know, you can make any any hike into a traverse if you want to. Basically, you know, simple things from like, you know. Arizona to, you know, stock, stork nets, the Dutchers not stuff like that. You yep. can do simple things like that to make it a, a, a traverse, but we're talking tonight. We're talking about long distance traverses, the epic stuff of the Catskills that you can get the most out of going long mm -hmm. distances. So one thing that I like to, to chat about with traverses and hiking in general is everybody asks me a lot, how long does it take? And you can't really tell someone oh it's gonna be four hours you know you can't really tell that because you know we all have different hiking speeds you know yep. you got to cater to someone in your in your group you never leave your group behind you stay with the pack just like wolves do stuff like that but you can't be like oh yeah that traverse takes eight hours yep. it might not take you eight hours because you know there might be weather there might be other people on the trail you might stay at a viewpoint for an hour and a half two hours you never know at Wittenberg, you can stay out there for two hours. So yep. once again, time to complete these hikes cannot really determine de be determined because, you know, different factors can settle in. And that's oh, there's so many uh, factors. Exactly. And you guys have been through all that stuff to know that these traverses cannot be timed. That's why we're not going to talk about any time tonight. We're going to talk about yeah. distance gain and, you know, you're going to have to do it and figure out yourself how long it's going to take you. Well, the thing is, is it, experienced hikers can judge their own time, yeah. um, estimate it, estimate their own time by looking at things on a map. Um, you know, I mean, I could look at a traverse on a map and see the topography of it and kind of judge somewhere within a couple of hours of how long it would probably take me to do that. Exactly. Would I tell someone else it would take them that long definitely not i would use that just on my own uh and then you know like you said stash it's it also still there's so many factors that determine within that you know like whether you decide you want to stop and hang out at a viewpoint and talk to people or keep moving or you get hurt you get tired you know you never know so there are mm -hmm. those things but yeah i mean experienced hikers who know their pace can probably judge some of uh, some of these traverses to within a few hours without having ever set foot on them. But you know, it's still it's you gotta. There's a lot of leeway in that judgment, you know. Yes, totally. And, and especially with 
going back to part of leave no trace, which is plan and prepare, is also leaving a plan with someone behind. So you kind of need to leave some sort of time frame. Yeah. Good point. And people ask me this all the time. I mean, so many people record their activity in the woods. And so what you can do is take the miles that you hiked on your recording and divide it by how many hours it took moving time and you get your average pace per hour. And then if you take six hikes and do that and then take all of those numbers and average it out, you can get your average moving speed. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you know, do that based on how many miles it is and, and kind of figure out rough time yeah. uh, to kind of give yourself a window. At least yeah. you're like, well, I'm not going to finish it any faster than this, probably. <laughs> yeah. And always, always add 30 minutes to your average moving time for every thousand feet up or down. Yep. 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 Exactly. And, you know, don't always trust all trails that say, oh, yeah, you can do this eight mile hike is with 4,000 feet of gain in two hours, two and a half oh hours. My God. Don't, don't trust all trails at all because I'm seriously convinced. I love them as a resource to find hikes, but I'm seriously convinced that the only people who post to the site are trail runners. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> yeah. everything is just completely fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. And once again, like, uh, it's, it's tough to determine. That's why I said, you know, if you ask someone, you know, they can't, don't, don't take their answer and, and be like, oh yeah, I could do that six hours. And then all of a sudden it turns into an 11 hour day, you know, because of the rain, because of maybe the snow at the time, or just your uphill pace is a lot slower than everybody else's, you know, right. something, something to take and consider. Also big thing, leave no trace, bring uh your, your 10 basics, on on your backpack every time leave no trace Absolutely. carry out what you carry in yep. uh, it's a it's a big thing especially on these traverses because you know who knows what's going to happen med kit anything could be helpful uh, you know you have 20 to 26 miles you have a 10 mile hike something could happen you might need a shelter at night so and i and i think as a guide and greg will understand this as well it's one of the hardest things of the job is we get the question how long will this hike take it's like, well, we've never hiked together, so that's going to be a tough question. However, I can take give you the average, and what I usually do is I take all the recordings of said hike same way and said, well, this is the fastest and this is the slowest. We'll be somewhere in the middle. Nice. Until, until I get to know the person, like, you know, most of my clients that I've gone out many times, I know their pace, but somebody knew. That's one of the questions usually. How long is this going to take roughly just so they can make plans and stuff, which I get. But that's always a tough one to give them an answer to. And I, I always I, tell people, if you're hiking in the Catskills and you're coming up, even if you're an hour away, don't plan dinner at seven. Like there's way too many things that could happen. Try to correct. keep after the hike open. Like people are like, I have an appointment to be at at a certain time. And I'm like, okay, well, that throws that into a mix. <laughs> yeah. That all depends on how fast you want to hike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. When people ask me that, I usually judge, you know, when we set a hike that we're going to do so I know what we're doing. And they're like, well, how long do you think it takes? I give everybody a mile to a mile and a half pace. Yep. Uh, no, not knowing who they are. Uh, so, I mean, a, one mile an hour is extremely slow. Yep. Um, over just about any kind of terrain. 
especially trailed. Bushwhacking is another story. Uh, but trailed, if you're hiking less than a mile per hour, uh, you're definitely below average speed. So yeah. I look at it, no offense to slower hikers. But yeah, so I, I judge everybody at an average of one to 1.5 miles per hour. Yeah, that's pretty nice. time. And it's usually fairly accurate. Uh, you know, and obviously if they're faster, that gives more time to hang out at Vistas and eat snacks. Yeah, yeah. right. Eat snacks. That's a big one. It's always right. going to be conservative on time. And, you know, and it's good because if you give a, you know, seven hour time frame and finish in six, it's like, dang, <laughs> you know, it makes them feel good. Right. Yeah. It's better to be conservative than, you know, you're out the time the hike was supposed to be over and you still got a mile. And it's like mentally, that's just, you know, it destroys somebody. So it's yeah. good to, to be conservative. Yeah, definitely. A lot of hiking, if people that haven't hiked very often, it's mostly mental. The physical is there, but a lot of it's a mental game. It all it always is, you know. Like you said, that that last mile is always kind of like the death march. You don't want to tell anybody. Just <laughs> oh like, God, there's so many of those in the Catskills. Too. I always say when you do Lone and Rocky via the Never Sink up the Fisherman's Path, and you do Rocky first, and then you go over to Lone and you leave the canister. I always say to them, "All right, we're leaving the canister, and it's downhill." Until it's not, at the very end, you have that uphill by the junction of the Finger Lakes Trail, and you want to kill yourself. Um, <laughs> but that's a long, like, people, like, when you get to the canister there, you're like, ah, oh, to the car. But it's a very long 4.2 miles back to the car. Very, yeah. very long. I, you know, and oh, we're, we're all experienced hikers, and we say that it's freaking very long. Uh, every time I do that <laughs> hike, I was like, you know, I say to my client, I'm feeling it too, so don't feel bad. <laughs> oh, man. Jim, Mo, Mo, from that junction, from the Finger Lakes Junction and the Table Mountain Trail to the Denning parking lot. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the longest, dumbest two you miles. You know what's so funny, though? So what I do with my clients when we get there. You know that you know the this is the song that never ends. I say this is the trail that never ends. We start singing that the whole way out because it's like, oh my god, how could it's like the the road is getting longer as you're hiking it. Like you're right. going you're going up the down escalator and you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, see, we we all we all know that that march. Yeah, we all know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's get on to the first traverse that we're going to talk about, which is, I think one of the one of the best traverses in the Catskills. The, the first one, the kind of you should start off with, is uh, because there's a lot of people on it. Number one, number two, beautiful views. Uh, number three, it's got great trail markers and stuff like that. So Burroughs Range is an awesome yeah. area to first start off in the in the Catskills for your traverse. Um, let's go over some statistics. So around nine point six miles. 3,600 feet of gains. You hit three peaks. Yep. Uh, it's an easier traverse. Yes. I would say it's still difficult. I got to admit, it's still difficult. You do it in a day or a backpack, several places to camp. And it has, of course, Wittenberg, Cornell, and Slide, some of the best views in the Catskills. I can't say anything else about this this through hike, except that the fact that it's amazing and wonderful. You hit everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you absolutely, you absolutely do. It's uh, it's one of the best. It's the it's in my opinion, it's the triple crown of the oh, Great Catskills Traverse. 
the the burrows escarpment and the devil's path and that's it's definitely one of the crowns uh and i recommend go ahead mo no i was just gonna like greg said when people are talking to me about working on the high peaks i'm like you know do slide in the winter you know, check that off and then when you need to do slide again try to do it as a, a traverse either and i always say to people if you like downs like depends on like which you prefer going down or going up and depending on the person i'm like either go from go up wittenberg to slide and end at that end or do it reverse depending on which you prefer yeah um, but it's, it's Oh, that ridge line between Cornell and Wittenberg is just epic. It's so pretty. Beautiful. Walk walk through those amazing balsams and yeah. just getting that that feel that you're you're in the absolute middle of freaking nowhere is just mm-hmm. fantastic. And that traverse is yeah, it's it's wonderful. And then to do that as an overnight, you get to spend so much more time. Exactly. And if, if you can time that traverse when the wild azaleas are in bloom. Oh, amazing. Nice. Yeah. I got to admit, there's some going up Wittenberg and going up slide is some technical climbs. Of course, you got the Cornell crack. I don't find that technical, I, but I was no. so underwhelmed when I got there. I was so nervous about the Cornell crack. Greg actually was, uh, he was the one that went through the first time I did that. And I'm like, this is the Cornell crack. <laughs> 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 it- I find I find the three scrambles um on the yeah. on the eastern side of slide uh yep. to be totally. worse than the Cornell crack. Yep. And yeah. no one ever talks about those. Yeah, those those are tricky. Correct. Um yeah, yeah you don't want to slip there. And the Cornell crack is difficult if you're going up it in the wintertime. If there's like ice on the there's no place to wedge yourself, that's that's a little tricky. I will Definitely. Um, Greg and I did that in the winter and we basically did rock, paper, scissors to say who's going up first and who's who's putting rope for the second person. Nice. <laughs> I lost. I had to go first. <laughs> yeah, I can I can say I've never done that in the winter, though. I I mean, I've done the Cornell crack in the winter, oh, but we'll I haven't have, done the we'll traverse. Have to fix that. Well, let's fix that this winter. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'll do a car to car. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So one, once again, this is one of the first ones you could start off with. Beautiful hike, of course, traverse point to point. So you'll need two cars or, you know, you can make it into a longer traverse and hike down the Woodland Valley Trail and back to Woodland Valley. Or you can go back hike up, which is the death march up Woodland Valley area, back up the slide, which is pretty crazy with those steps. I've had a lot of people that I've known have gone up and over slide out to Wittenberg and back as an out and back. It's a long day, but... People have said I prefer doing that than going up or down from Woodland Valley. (laughs) (laughs) And those that that traverse or done that hike understand what that means. (laughs) Right. That Woodland Valley trail gets no love. (laughs) Right. There's some big trees up there though. There are. There are. Definitely. Definitely. So next uh we have one of the best backpacking hikes in the Catskills that it gets everybody's hearts it gets mine uh the escarpment trail oh yeah favorite. <laughs> yeah 24 to 26 miles five to six thousand feet of elevation gain loss two high peaks maybe four if you want to go over to black dome or thomas cole uh it can be done in a day it's a long day but you know uh, i guarantee mo and, and greg have done both them in a day i haven't done in a day so you guys can talk about that 
but you start anywhere from Peck Road to Elm Ridge and then end all the way down at, uh, you can end two places at North South Lake Camp uh, Ground, or you can go around the full escarpment and make it an amazing stop and go yeah. to Scott Road where you don't have to pay for parking, which is what I preferred. You don't have to pay inside. I and mean, Scott Road is the official end. Yes. Correct. Yes. Yep. Correct. So, and then you got Catterskill Falls if you want to stop and, you know, take a breather and admire yep. all the people that you missed on the trail because you didn't meet any people on the trail. Um, so a lot of different factors can go into this hike. You have several places for a lean-to. You're, well, one one lean-to is uh, Batavia Kill, and there's one up at Windham High Peak, of course, right below Windham High oh, Peak. Really? Uh, several places to camp. Greg, you might have a, Greg and Mo, you might have a little bit more information on where to camp on your second day. Um, you have water sources down at Dutcher Notch. You might have to travel a little bit to get to that, but you have different creeks and streams to get your water as well. But mm -hmm. the thing is, views, 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 walk through some amazing forests, some amazing secluded areas, and uh, some good ups and downs. I got to admit, some people underestimate uh, those ups and downs going up <laughs> Arizona and Stopple. Stopple, yeah. So Greg and I have done this trail both ways as a as a in a day, and honestly, I find the escarpment harder than the Devil's Path. Absolutely, I don't know why I don't know why I have no idea why, but every time I do, I've done both. I find it so much harder both ways. If you start at Scott Road and go to Wyndham, or if you start at Wyndham and go to Scott Road, it's like I don't know. It's something about that trail. It's tough. <laughs> <laughs> wow interesting yeah i think i think what makes it harder than the devil's path is the terrain of it um there's longer sections that are rockier through there that make it harder to get a good pace yeah you're constantly you're constantly towing a rock you're like rock hopping through sections uh where you're just on weird shaped rock to rock to rock to rock it's like hopping river rocks through a lot of it uh which i think that makes it a little bit more difficult than the devil's path but then on the other hand too when you round around like acre point and burnt knob uh and that section that's some of the most beautiful runnable areas in the yep. castles it's all it's all pine needle uh bed trail soft and it's flat and hilly and my god it's just it's fun to run through there yeah it's beautiful yeah and not only the views like you said the, those forests that you go through over and you know arizona mountain has one of the coolest spots that i think of going yeah. through that little plane yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's just one of the you're like whoa what the if you're if you're new to it you're like whoa what the hell is this Right. And then you see you see Blackhead over there, and the funny thing is, that kind of gives you some false hope. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's right there. <laughs> you're just like, it's right there. It's nothing. Oh no, yeah. you still got a good march to go up there, buddy. Yeah. And then you got the down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing with the Escarpment Trail too is there. There's like 20 stars on the map. There's like yeah. 20 vistas along that trail. So you're basically like, there's a there's like one amazing viewpoint per mile totally wow. <laughs> and if you do it if you do it in early spring or after leaf off in the fall before winter moves in it's like you get views you get what's remarkable about that trail is 
you get views into the Hudson Valley and into the Catskills. So you're right on the edge. You kind of look left and right and it's like two different worlds. It's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool, you know, you got the whole population of the Hudson Valley there, just <laughs> people and all the villages along the river. And then you look into the Catskills and it's, you know, wilderness with some yeah. small, you know, small communities. So like you can also, also it's one of the, I, I think it's one of the best backpacking trails in the Catskills. It's a, it, yeah, it's, it's an amazing backpacking trip. I think the best way I love doing it in a day, but the best way to enjoy the escarpment trail is to do it over two nights, three days. Yeah. Backpacking it. And a, a lot of things, a lot of stuff on the escarpment trail that people don't maybe not even thinking of, at least for me, I think about it when I do it is the history of the escarpment trail. The devil's path has some history along the way but the escarpment you're walking from one historical site to another and it's it, it's really cool to to see the past come alive along the escarpment you know when you're coming up Wyndham you go through those plantations of uh, Norway spruce that were planted during the uh, CCC era um, yeah. after the depression and to think that Wyndham High Peak was once also a farm and also leveled for crops yeah, and not many people think that that high could be happened, but they tried. They definitely yeah, tried. There was farming up there. You, you yeah. follow old farm road. The trail goes all along old farm road, right after you come out of the first stand of uh, plantation. Yeah, it's bump cool. after bump after bump. It's so nice. View after view after view. That's what kind of keeps you going. If you don't have a uh, a view, you know, you still have different points that are amazing, yeah. and you got a plane crash right in the middle of it. So yeah, that kind of. Yeah, so you got the plantations on Wyndham, and then you got um, Batavia Kill area, and then on the other side of Blackhead, Dutcher Notch was a road that went through there that came up from the valley. Um, the plane crash going up Stopple, the Catskill Mountain House site, um, yeah. and all of you know North Ma- South Mountain was um, Hotel Cotterskill, and the trail just weaves its way all around all of that stuff. Yeah, super, super cool. So. So let's, uh, there's another area around there that I like to do a traverse uh, as well. So the Blackhead Range with Wyndham High Peak. So you oh. can make this into a lollipop, but I like to do a traverse because I don't want to ro- road walk that far back. It's a pain in the ass. Or you can bushwhack. You can bushwhack somewhat, but that'll be a little crazy. So this one goes from Peck Road to Barnum Road. So basically you can do it in one day. It's 14 miles. 3,700 feet of gain. If you want to continue that, it's a mile or two of road walk with only one car. Four high peak, beautiful views without, beautiful walks through different amazing forest. Uh, one of my favorite sections, the section that I have to maintain, is the Camel's Hump to Thomas Cole area. That's just, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's it has something in my my heart for some reason. Well, that ridge line, th- that walk from Camel's Hump along that ridge line to Thomas Cole. It's like one of the most unique areas in the Catskills. You don't really see that vegetation and that species of plants all combined together anywhere else. Right. Because they got the balsams. They got the the tall grass. They got different uh, stupid freaking thick prickers that I have to take care of. <laughs> yep. Yep. We appreciate your efforts on that because it's nothing worse than walking through those and screaming. Um <laughs> Bloody murder. The top of uh, Camel's Hump has, you know, the top of Camel's Hump is right at that boreal forest line. And so the boreal forest, if people don't know, is like the evergreen line you see on the tops of our, a lot of our mountains. 
and um, Camel's Hump is right at that line. So there's one evergreen on the top of Camel's Hump, as we call it, the Catskills Christmas tree. The Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> Most famous tree in the Catskills, basically. We got to, I know, I know it's leave no trace, but somebody's got to decorate that for Christmas because that. Uh, we did. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. tough one. We did it once. <laughs> with uh, with like solar lights, I'm guessing? Solar solar lights and uh, edible bird Christmas ornaments. So cute. Awesome. Awesome, man. And then, I've, and then went back up and then went back up on New Year's Day and took it all down. Yeah. See? Amazing. Amazing. So once again, you know, that hike has uh, a crazy uh, ascent up Blackhead Mountain. And then, of course, going down to the layman's notch is pretty, pretty brutal and stuff back up. But it's not that bad. And going from Thomas Cole all the way to Bonham Road, I got to admit, is some some of the best built trails in the Catskills because that that camel's hump to Barnum Road's got some crappy spots, but going down from there has awesome switchbacks, has awesome yeah, walks. Through. Well. Yeah, well. beautiful. But what do you guys think about the uh, the Blackhead Range? I love it. I love the Blackhead Range. It's a great traverse. You know, if you do it from like you said, Peck Road, or if you do it, you know, from Big Hollow, it's a great snowshoe to do it as a traverse. Though I will add in going up Blackhead from the east, northeast, um, in the winter time is very can be very treacherous, especially going down. So if anyone's doing that side in the winter, really have you know carry crampons with you and rope because yeah. depending on the conditions. Um, it's always in the shade over there and water. If you hike it in the summer, it's constant water running down the trail, dripping. And in the wintertime, it becomes a frozen waterfall. Yeah. Unless there's a ton of snow packed in there and it's, you know, freeze thaw, freeze thaw, and it's really thick and you can like dig in with your micro spikes. I've been there with it when it was just ice and it was, it was halfway up in crampons with rope. And I'm like, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Like, what am I doing? And I turned around and looked behind me and went, oh no, I'm not going back down that. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going up. Yeah. It's one of the, I think one of the most win- dangerous winter spots on trail on Catskills. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. I think I had a uh, previous episode that I talked about that, that the east side of Blackhead is the most treacherous spot in the Catskills because it's just, like you said, no, sh- no sun, always running water even if you get a nice snowshoe trail water will run down that and create a, a an ice yeah. chute you'll basically be doing a luge <laughs> if, you slip, if you slip there and I, I we've all done it like you know you skid a little bit on ice and you you plop on your butt you just go like there's no slowing down um yep, yep. greg what about you sir uh i think that's a that's a beautiful horseshoe traverse um that's a it's definitely a fun one uh i i like the peck road area going up from there that that start right there up to the elm ridge lean to is like where the elm ridge lean to is it's just a really cool section of forest yep uh the way it's set up on that ledge that's uh got some you can tell it was quarried a little bit oh yeah yep yeah it's just a really cool that's just a cool section of forest right there and then of course, it goes over my favorite summit, Thomas Cole, uh, which is that that is absolutely my most favorite forest in the Catskills. It's just, you know, those uh, those blossoms up there are amazing. It's just so quiet and 
it just has a really cool vibe up there. And uh, yeah, I do like the way the uh, the trails laid out on the way back down from Camel's Hump to Barnum. It's uh, it's got some cool switchbacks. It's got some great little scrambly sections too that uh, have some cool like stone steps in them. You can gain some speed on the way back down from that Barnum right after that scramble. You can you can actually catch up on speed. Yeah. Totally. So. And so many people say it's just magical, and it is. It just has a really unique feel going across those three mountains. Correct. And if you end up those four mountains. Correct. So next one, of course, the amazing Devil's Path. So <laughs> everybody. The most dangerous trail on the East Coast. The most dangerous trail on the East Coast. So funny story about the devil. I got out of work at Camp Catskill, not this Monday, but last Monday. And I was driving. I went and got a nice coffee and Hunter at Cumberland Farms. And on my way back, there was um, a person on the side of the road and they had a backpack. And as I drove by, they were they had their thumb out and they just looked desperate. <laughs> I was like, I I saw them too quick to re- I thought they were just walking, and then I they had that look, so I spun around and spun around again, and I pulled up. I'm like, where are you headed? And they're like, do you know Predator Road? I'm like, oh, I got you. Get in. <laughs> so they they were doing the devil and they bailed at Stony Clove Notch. It was just cool. so they were trying to uh, get back to their vehicle. Crazy. Um, and as if you no, know, it's two fourteen. There's no cell surface. Correct. Yeah. So Devil's Path, twenty four point six miles. As they say, everybody has different. Uh, of course, these miles, everybody has different miles. Almost ten thousand feet of elevation gain. Said to be one of the most challenging days hikes in the Northeast and in the U.S. Yep. Views all over. Five peaks. Seven if you visit Hunter and Southwest Hunter, but you got to add another five miles, maybe. Very slippery. Massive gains and losses. Everything that you can encounter on a hike in the Catskills, this will show you it. Uh, you start at Predator Road and end at Spruceton Road, totaling, once again, 24.6 miles and some crazy stuff that you can encounter in this. I got to admit, I'm going to I'm gonna be honest, I haven't done the devil in a day. So I haven't even done it in the backpack. I've, I've done it half of it. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, doing it as a backpack trip, I think, is harder because you have all of that weight on your back trying to climb those mountains. It's a whole different animal when you backpack it. Um, doing it in a day is just as hard um, in a different way, and it's um, it's you know it's relentless. There's no it's unforgiving because as soon as you go up a mountain, you immediately start to descend down <laughs> the other side. Like you know, except for plateau. Plateau is a nice reprieve. Uh, for two miles and then it's and then it's hell (laughs) but interesting fact plateau is the longest stretch on trail of boreal forest you will hike through yes freaking magical oh god it's amazing up there i can i can i can that part you know i i had to show jessica that part and i was just like like we're getting already we're going up to there we're getting to the part that you're going to be like damn this is the greatest shit ever and she was like, wow, does this ever end? I'm just like, I hope not. <laughs> this is never going to end. Please don't. <laughs> but it's considered the hardest hiking trail on the East Coast. And they're not tall mountains, but they are rugged. They are rugged. And pack you know, a punch. I did that, you know, I threw like the Appalachian Trail, and there's nothing like the Devil's Path on the AT. There's sections that are a little gnarly, 
but it's just a continuous. <laughs> but it's amazing. It's a, everybody loves it. Everybody says everything good about that. You know, like, wow, that was the best time of my life. You know, wow. The views were incredible. Wow. The gains were insane. Like yeah. <laughs> it's completely worth the pain. Yep. Um, it, it absolutely is. I don't know if I would say, I, I don't know if I would agree with that. It's like the most difficult trail or anything like that. It is very technical, uh, but it is, it's just, it's all a mental uh-huh. game, uh, whether you're doing it in a day or backpacking, you know, yep. as, as Mo said, backpacking, it is almost harder to an extent because you're carrying that weight. And I'm also looking at it as you're carrying, you're doing it day after day. So, you know, you got your True. Butt you got yeah. your butt kicked for a day, and then you went to sleep and woke up, and you've got to put <laughs> Do that it all over back again on your back and get your butt kicked again. <laughs> and you know, for people that are that hike, day hike and stuff, that when you do the devil's path as a backpack trip, the downhills, all of those downhills on all of those mountains that you have hiked probably many times, just imagine 30 to 35 pounds on your back, every step, bam, bam. (laughs) It's like, it takes a toll on your body when you're backpacking it. It's that's where, that's where hiking poles have saved my butt because I can take a lot of the weight off my knees with them, but. Correct. And once again, you know, and there's this thing on the devil's path called St. Anne's that no one really talks about <laughs> or even thinks about because it's really not on any list or <laughs> and it's um yeah. <laughs> Mo, do you want do you want me to go through and say what it's actually called? Yes. <laughs> it is called What the Fuck Peak. <laughs> because everybody, like the, the I'm not sorry to say that the beginners, the newbies will get down West Coast like God damn, we're almost done. Downhill. All downhill. And then up comes St. Anne's Same. Peak, and they're just like, oh, what the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> and it almost gets them. Once, once again, weather could totally change this, this hike. If you have rain, oh your descents are going to be super duper slow because that rock is super sketchy and slippery and stuff. Coming down twin, I find one of the craziest descents especially yeah. when it's wet so like oh, oh yeah absolutely so do you know doing it in a day multiple times it's like wet rocks on the devil is is brutal like the downhills are just so slow because you have to just hold on for dear life because you don't want to wipe out if you do the devil's path and you happen to time it and the leaves are falling off the trees and you're all the downhills with fresh fallen leaves are just worse than wet rocks i think yeah um, just even one of them the things that you never know what's going to happen yeah i actually recently was able to do it with dry rocks for the first time in years you know just my luck every time i've done this in a day and it was like night and day it was like unbelievable i just kept going oh my god these rocks are dry <laughs> wow wicked that's awesome yeah one one of the crazy i mean i haven't say i, I haven't been i've been Halfway, halfway, you know, I went from Pressure Road to Stony Clove and then Stony Clove to Spruceton Road. So I haven't done it in a day, but I, I look forward to doing it sometime in a day. And, you know, coming from you guys who have done it in a day several times, I know that it it, it sounds like an epic adventure. Hopefully my knees won't die out on it. Um, once again, there's several places to get water as well. Well, not really. It, it depends on the time of year. And and you know the, the the weather and stuff like that. They have they do have a spring below plateau, 
in uh, Mink Hollow. I know that yeah. we're right yeah. outside of the lean-to. That's usually flowing pretty good. That's a that's a nice flowing I've never, area. I've never seen that one go dry, so that's definitely a good water source. On the eastern half, that's really the only reliable water source on trail. And in a typical Catskill summer, it's very, very dry to, to do that as a day. Um, but lately, the last couple of summers, it's been like spring hiking conditions all year. You know, lots of running water. So it's made yeah. it a little easier to have water flowing down the trail. You can just filter as you go. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, once again, Devil's Path, craziest hike on the east coast and then it should be like or something like that i don't know do some metal thing we gotta Whatever we gotta think of people that are interested just google or research or whatever fastest known time on the devil's path and it's just insane what some of these people have been able to do like i don't even know how it's possible to do it's, that in that time frame <laughs> it's four it's four hours it's four just, hours actually, actually four, if you I listen the four it's four or five hours is is the FKT for it right now. Um, Unbelievable, and it, it's just, it's that's I can't even fathom moving at that kind of speed. Um, you know, over over twenty five miles through over this terrain. You guys didn't listen to my last episode, did you? Uh, no, did not. <laughs> Josh, Joshua Reed just, well, didn't just said it, but he said it a while back, four hours and 24 minutes. I just oh, talked okay. to him about it. Oh, nice. Josh, Josh, we're hiking guides. We are in the woods with no cell service. <laughs> How are we supposed to listen to your podcast? <laughs> That's true. You're not, you're not the guys that uh, I see along the trail that have their headphones in. Oh, I was like, what the hell are they doing? You know, it's funny. You know, the longer I do this full time, being off the grid most of the day makes it difficult just you know with our world now and you know phones and technology and social media it's like i get home and i have like this two-hour window every day to like do all of this stuff that most people do all day um it does make it a challenge running a business and staying connected with people because you know greg and i live in 2023 and then we go into the woods and it's 1880 yeah (laughs) (laughs) correct or you try to make it like 1880 exactly (laughs) yeah so next uh we're gonna go a little bit more mild than the devil's path and then we'll go quickly into some some crazy uh hikes so what about drybrook ridge that is an excellent hike i would say this is another good beginner hike uh it's still very secluded uh if you go from the start of uh what's that road called pakakatan how do i say it pakatakan pakatakan thank you I always, I always say it like pack attacking. I, I butchered that for years. You know who told me how to pronounce it correctly it was Doctor Kudish. Pack attacking. Like, I'm like, okay. I gotta look up the source. <laughs> and and of when that. I told Greg that, he just kept saying pack attacking. Yeah, right. It sounds like that. It it's sounds fun. like some spell you're putting on somebody. Pack attacking. It's fun to say. <laughs> Definitely fun to say. No, Driver Bridge is a cool. Um, you know the the forest in that part of the Catskills, the elevation's a little bit lower, but not much. It's fascinating. Dr. Kudish has always said one thing about the Catskills that's amazing is when you go up any of these mountains, you have no idea what the forest is going to be on like like on top. Um, it doesn't it doesn't have any rules. You know, Wyndham High Peak is there boreal forest up there? No, it's it, there's a little bit, but it's mostly like low shrubs. It's it's a very unique summit compared to other high peaks. 
some lower, some higher. Look at um, look at Rocky. Yep. Rocky Summit is lower than Wyndham High Peak, but that summit is totally different than the top of Wyndham. Right. It's fascinating. So Drybrook Ridge being west, it's still up there in elevation, but it's a lot of beach, a very beach-dominant forest, which leads to some really interesting landscape. And you get a yeah. unique view along that hike looking uh, west. West, yeah. There's very few west viewpoints in the Catskills. And you actually get a viewpoint of the reservoir, the Western uh, Reservoir. Cap- Capicon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. No, hey, I, I have I have been corrected so many times that I know how to say all this stuff correctly. <laughs> Freaking egg, man. I always get that wrong, man. I don't know why. So if we're going to we'll talk about stats real quick, uh, if you go from Pakakatakan, uh, to the Balsam Lake parking area, it's around nine miles, 2,800 feet of gains. You don't get any high peaks uh, unless you extend the Balsam Lake, but you'll get an amazing, beautiful hike through some secluded forests. You will barely have anybody on there unless they are dedicated uh, hikers. Uh, great views, uh, walks through some crazy forest. I remember encountering in the summer that there was the tallest ferns I've ever seen in my life, almost up to my neck. Uh, oh yeah it's it was the craziest but it was the best i'm just like please nobody maintain this area i want to feel this all the time (laughs) (laughs) right now yeah there there are some beautiful fern glades through there man it's uh and they do they get tall those are the kind of places i i love running into here in the catskills uh just makes you kind of want to like walk off into it and never come back (laughs) yeah right it's yeah. just it it's amazing spot of seclusion and nobody you barely once again you'll you barely meet and you'll probably never meet anybody on there probably uh, not yeah it's, yeah it's and they just they've, they've done some some good work over there so it's it's used to have a lot of blowdown it used to be unmaintained well the the drybrook ridge um trail is usually the traverse or the loop i do on june 21st <laughs> oh, I, I know why. Yeah, if if you follow Mo, you know why. So everybody should probably find out what goes on on June twenty first. So once again, great, great hike to do as a as a traverse. Beautiful stuff. You can make it even go. You can extend it past Balsam Lake over to the other side of, of Balsam Lake. Uh, which road is that? That is uh, Beaverkill Road. Beaverkill Road. Yeah, Beaverkill Road. Got to add about another five miles and you can get Balsam Lake in there. Maybe even more. It depends on which way you want to go. But end up over Beaverkill area, which is the most secluded area, a beautiful, stunning area along one of the great trout areas in the world. And you will be, once again, secluded until you hit Balsam Lake. And even probably when you go on the southern side of Balsam Lake, you will hit seclusion once again because everybody travels from the northern side or the eastern side of balsam lake so drybrook ridge has a, a fairly new lean-to that was built within the last eight years i think nice yeah excellent what about you greg what do you think i it's a good one man it's definitely that that ridge line is uh is a lot of fun to hike because it's like just kind of like a i like to call them like the roller coaster ridge lines Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Uh, there, there's ups and downs, but they're not like you, you're not really losing a lot of elevation and gaining a lot of elevation. 
So it's just kind of like cruising a roller coaster. Nice. Good call. Mo, do you have anything else to say? Go. Actually continue that all the way over to Black Bear Road. If you Correct. want to make a really big traverse. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's over Willow Wemack, right? Uh yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah, and if you want to make it a, the the only suspension bridge in the Catskills, it's over the Willow Wemack. That's over to Willow Wemack. That's an awesome suspension bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And the dry bridge trail is excellent to do in the month of June. Because again, another <laughs> spot in the Catskills that has wild azaleas for miles. Nice. Yeah, good point. Good point. And I told I just told Greg that uh in the summer it's great too because you have ferns almost over top oh, yeah, of you. Ferns. Yeah, the ferns are amazing up there. Though actually this year the ferns, it's just fascinating to like hike these things on repeat. Um, where we had such a cold May and we had that frost really, really late in May up here, a lot of the ferns on that ridge line got hit. So they're stunted this year and they're not nearly as big as they usually are. That was yeah, I gotta, yeah, it was interesting to go, whoa, <laughs> what happened here? Yeah. Awesome. So once once again, that's an easier, easier trip, and you can definitely backpack it. You can make it into an awesome backpacking trip because there's several shelters along the way. Nice viewpoints, stuff like that. So we're gonna do two more really quick. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna talk about you guys because you guys have done this. I have never done this because I just I don't know. I just haven't done this. I haven't had the friends to do it and stuff. So let's talk quickly about the six. So uh, Friday, Balsam Cap, Rocky Lone Table, Picamoose. Yep. Yep. Partial bushwhack, partial trail, more of a bushwhack than it is a trail. Start from the Moon Haw. You can Either end at Denning Trailhead or the Peekamoose Trailhead. Once again, you got to pay for Peekamoose Trailhead, but mm-hmm. that's not a problem. You shouldn't be able to be a problem with that. Uh, I do not know the stats or the stuff like that, so you guys can take it away. What's the, what do you think? It's it's about twelve miles. Not bad. Uh, from from Moonhaw to Peekamoose is around twelve miles. Uh, I don't know what the elevation gain is for it try to look it up but uh, i'm looking it up you talk <laughs> okay it's uh it's mostly all bushwhack really uh if you start from moonhaw and start tackling it from friday to balsam cap to rocky to lone that those are all trailless peaks although the herd paths have become more prominent and easy to follow uh, you still do get lost through some sections between like Rocky and Lone, but yeah, it's uh, it's a great traverse. I think if you're going to attempt it, you should definitely uh, have your navigational skills on point. Uh, otherwise, you're going to wander around in there, and it's going to be a really long day. Yeah. So, looking at the average of the seven times I've done it. It, it comes in at around 3,800 3, feet of elevation gain. And nice. anywhere between, let's see. And most of that's done up Friday. 12, 12 and a half, right. 13, 11 and a half. <laughs> and because it's a bushwhack, depending on how on point you are each time. Right. Range, but 12 is a very good average and about 3,800 feet. Yeah. And it takes anywhere between like seven to 10 hours, depending on 
how quickly you can maneuver through the bushwhack. But, you know, you go to the heart of the Catskills. That that traverse, you are as far from a road as you can be. It's you're out there. You're definitely out there. Yeah. You get some really interesting views of the Oshokan Reservoir, Devil's Path. Not too many views of slide though. When you come up from the Never Sink through the trees, you get a few viewpoints. But it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing uh, stuff out there. It's a really cool. Yeah. Very easy to get lost. Yeah. You know, if you pivot off the herd path and you're not paying attention and you lose the herd path, you're suddenly in the thick of it. <laughs> Branches aren't broken. You're like, oh dear. <laughs> Literally, that's what you are at the time. <laughs> I still have a water. There's a my water bottle is still somewhere out there. Um, Jim Bouton, the can man, calls that area between Balsam Cap and Rocky the swap shop because (laughs) stuff gets pulled out of your pack things get pulled off your head i've lost sunglasses that i felt come off my head and i went to like look for them immediately and they were gone i don't know where they went went up down left right but yeah so anytime you go through there i always find something that's not mine but somebody else's (laughs) yeah that section between balsam cap and rocky is probably uh, of the of the bushwhacks is probably unless you take a, a different route up a bushwhack is still one of the most s- difficult bushwhacks that you can have because you can just zigzag down and then all of a sudden you're wandering down each other drainage and yep. you're just like oh yeah this is fine uh, when are we going to start gaining again we should be gaining again nope <laughs> oh, no wait <laughs> a lot of times the hobble bush grows over the herd path so the hobble bush is at your knees. You can't see through it, so you don't know where the herd path went. Now you're just aimlessly kind of just going on your compass bearing. That's where you you want to know basic compass stuff out there. Because yeah. if you happen to be there and it's sunshine, and then all of a sudden it becomes a cloudy, foggy day, everywhere you look, looks north. <laughs> it all looks the same. It all looks the same. So if you don't know basic compass bearings, you could get really lost and turn around in there. Correct. Yeah. So that was once again we 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 didn't go quickly over that because that's something that only the advanced people should do, definitely the advanced. And then yeah. one last one, really quick, some thing I, I know that you guys love this hike. I know that Greg loves this hike. Uh, they call it the Nine. So <laughs> nine peaks in one day: Wittenberg, Cornell, Slide, Friday, Balsam Cap, Rocky, Lone Table, Peekamoos. Nineteen to twenty miles gain. I don't know. Uh, some of the best bushwhacking that you could do. And nine peaks in one day. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, as you know, people have really narrowed it down to like, all right, if I'm coming up here in one day, let's how much can I get done? And that's a way to get nine of them done at once. But it's <laughs> it's an in, it's an intense day. I, no matter where you start, where you end, whether you're on trail, off trail, it, bushwhacking, up, like no matter where you decide to jump in, it's a long day. Very yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely it's it's definitely a long intense day uh if you're gonna do it as a day if you split it up into two it's uh it's really enjoyable because you can get up you do it as a loop from denning hit over go over slide and set up camp in one of those amazing primitive campsites that's between slide and cornell Yep. Uh, you, then you've got your afternoon to kick back and relax. And as the evening sets in and, you know, you get a nice, uh, get a nice sunset, 
you've got time to slack pack it over to Cornell and Wittenberg and then go back to camp to make yourself some dinner. Yep. Then the next day you get up and do the bushwhacks. Yep. Yeah. So it's uh it's pretty good like that. And then if you get out of the bushwhacks and you want to add another night, you were right there at Table Mountain Lean to, which is an amazing spot to spend the night. It's got a great viewpoint up above the lean to and uh it's it's a brand new lean to. I think it's yeah. like what, maybe two years old? Totally. Yeah. I would like to say one thing about the nine and the six, and this is something, a trend I've been noticing as being a guide. I'll have a lot of people when they talk about, you know, their list and loan and Rocky and Friday and balsam cap. A lot of times they say to me, I don't know if I can do the six. And I'm like, why are you asking it in that way? And they're like, isn't that what you do? And I feel like we optimize our time we're traveling it's like all right if i'm coming to the catskills how much can i get done while i'm there and people will do pocket and they'll come down they'll do rusk they'll come down they might even do cheryl north dome all in one day and it's like if you physically can do it great but i just think what's out there is the expectation if you're doing friday lone rocky all if you need those four you just do the six like why wouldn't you do the six it just makes sense you go from car to car mm-hmm. and so People attempt doing that and they're not ready to do that. And they get out and they come out at Peekamoose or Denning and they go, that was horrible. Never again. Horrible, horrible, horrible. <laughs> what a shame to do those four mountains, Friday, Balsam Cap, Lone and Rocky, and to say it was horrible. Like they're the most beautiful stretch of woods and so special in there. It's like, why, why push yourself? And why do we have this out there that people should do the six you know, new hikers are saying this to me. I'm like, why do you think you need to do six mountains? Well, isn't that yeah. what you do? I'm like, well, you can, but I wouldn't recommend it. I would recommend two at a time. You know, yeah. do Friday Balsam Cat. Maybe go see the plane wreck. And then do Lone and Rocky from the Neversink. How many people have never been in the Neversink because they've done the six as their list? Which is Correct. a shame. Good I think point. it's a shame to miss that. Neversink. So I just wanted area. to say that. Like, don't feel... What you read online is something you have to do. I've had clients that did every mountain as one hike. They yeah. didn't do two at a time. They did one at a time. Break it up. Have a good time experience in, in the mountains and uh, totally. take your time. You know, don't, I mean, you, you can hustle that if that's your choice, go right ahead. But I like to take my time in the secluded areas at the viewpoints, stuff like that, and experience the different areas and stop and pause yes. at those times of when you're like, wow. This is right at the balsams, man. Look at this line right here that, that shows you where it starts. Or look at this ledge. Look at that freaking ledge right there. That's amazing. So, right. yeah. So if you get to the car and your your first reaction was that was horrible, all right, what are we doing? Yeah, you're not doing it right. We're doing something wrong. It should be horrible. Yes, it should be hard. It should be difficult. It should be push my limits. But you shouldn't say that was horrible. Yeah. Right. That's just because then you're you're pushing yourself way too much than you should be. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, once again, thank you, Mo, for that, because, you know, I just added these just to see what you guys thought, because I know they're crazy traverses. So awesome. There's many more out there. Oh, there is. So this is going to be part one, I'm guessing. (laughs) Right. Well, There's a lot of traverses out there that may not be uh, necessarily on trip. (laughs) Like of people that do Cheryl and North Dome from Mink Hollow to Shaft Road, that's a traverse. True. Get point B over two mountains through some rugged terrain. That's a cool traverse. 
Yeah. So we, we might have a part two. Yeah. We can rock on. What about the mother of all traverses through the Catskills? Uh, Manitou's Revenge. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to talk about that one. <laughs> what are we doing that again, Greg? Uh, let's do it this year. <laughs> we'll have to talk the, about that one, definitely. Sign, sign us up. We can sweep that race course again. <laughs> yeah. Rock on. So, guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, one last thing. Give me a place for post-hike brews and bites. Uh, Mama's Boy Burgers in Tannersville. Yeah. But I, I'll have to say West Kill Brewery. Though, actually, my new go-to place, it's its not necessarily burgers, but Van Dusen's in Lexington. You know? I get my... I get he imports, he gets Mexican Coke in a glass bottle. And I don't drink soda, oh, but man, I anytime I'm coming out in that area, I'm like, oh, is he open? He's open till seven, but he has uh these uh chipotle chile potato chips that are kettle cooked, and they're just Ooh. like ah, they're amazing. Sweet chili, sweet chili uh kettle cooked chips and a mexican coke so even though it's not bruising uh burger it's definitely <laughs> a wonderful nice. well yeah that's that's great i was always wondering about that because that's right before the turn onto the bridge right when you're coming yeah, from Hunter? It's right by the post okay. office right next to the post office he has a beer i mean he's got beer on tap on <laughs> a little bar and he's got a little grocery and an ice cream machine cool guy he's doing awesome cool stuff. I will write that down. So yeah. thanks once again, guys, for joining me tonight. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you to the monthly supporters. Uh, thank you to my sponsors. Thank you to anyone who's listening. Uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully you can just get some good information out once again. And once again, you guys, thank you for being guides and supporting the Catskills and showing people the Catskills in the way that they should be shown. So you guys are the best. Uh, we have a date, great depth to you guys. Oh. Well, we are stewards of the park. Greg and Correct. I talk a lot about the Catskills and how they are and how they were and how they're going to be in the future. Yeah. So once again, thank you for joining me, guys. Uh, have a great night, and I will see you in the future, hopefully soon. All right. To do the devil in the day. <laughs> yes. I will go with you guys, definitely, and I'll, I'll <laughs> hopefully get some other friends that, that could join, but definitely. Yeah. Sure. All right. Have a good night, guys. Hey guys, I just want to thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe and throw down a smooth review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast platform that you use. You can also check daily updates of the podcast, hikes, hiking memes, and local news on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the official website of the show. Remember this. You just keep on living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Wicked, wicked, wicked.